You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's highlights, Taiwan exclusive, ear to the ground, and feast meets west. Don't go away. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Ukraine has inspired us here in Taiwan, especially as we watch how civilians take part in its territorial defense force. Ukraine's National Guard says 100,000 Ukrainians have joined the volunteer force to help make Molotov cocktails, sabotage the enemy, and do what they can to defend their homeland. Would people in Taiwan be willing to join such a force? Well, we asked some people who usually don't get military training, some foreigners and women. I would join because it's better to be ready to defend our country. Uh, I think, yes, because um, this is the place that I stay right now. So uh, when uh, something happened in here, so I think I have a responsibility to join. And it's not only for myself, but it's also for a lot of people in here. I'm from Germany and I live in Taiwan for like nearly 30 years and actually I think I'd join, at least I want to be prepared, like if something happens in Taiwan, it might be a war or it might be other catastrophes like earthquakes or um, I think you should be prepared. Uh, I'm inspired by Ukraine's people. They are so brave to defend their own country. I think Taiwanese should show the strong determination that we will defend our homeland. That's why I'd like to have military training. We also took a quick poll on Twitter. It's a small pool of respondents, but in the English poll, 77% said yes, 23% need to think about it, and no one said no. In Chinese, 85% said yes, and 15% said no. Today, I speak with a military expert at George Mason University, Professor Michael Hunzecker, who recently, along with a former commander of Taiwan's armed forces, wrote an article in War on the Rocks calling for a territorial defense force in Taiwan. I asked him why he thinks a territorial defense force is what Taiwan needs. I think at its essence, we argue that territorial defense is an appropriate strategy or idea for Taiwan for a couple of reasons. The first is that we think it is the strongest possible symbol and signal that the Taiwanese people are willing, ready, and able to provide for their own defense, to fight for their homes and their communities. And that by sending this signal, you can actually increase the deterrence ability mm -hmm. of the country in order to signal to any potential adversaries that it's just not worth the fight. And the second piece is that even if an adversary, an enemy, an opponent were to decide to want to attack Taiwan, the fact is that in order to achieve the political goal of actually subduing and occupying the island would require 
pacifying and controlling the people. And a territorial defense force makes this extremely difficult to do and therefore buys time both for Taiwan to defend itself but also for the United States and other allies and partners in the region to intervene and help Taiwan. I've actually spoken to a lot of people who would love to be trained um, to be able to defend themselves, their families, their neighborhoods. Um, what kind of training do you think we would need? Like what are the basic things we need to learn and how long would that training have to be for us to be ready? Well, as, as a former American Marine, I have to say you can never have enough time to train. <laughs> and the, the trick to it is to convince yourself you are never ready. But I think this is one of the reasons that Admiral Lee and I suggest that. And again, there are many ways to do territorial defense. I'm not suggesting our blueprint is the right answer. We just we want to move in that direction. But that our argument or our idea is that you should build these forces around existing special operations units and personnel or either those on active duty or those who have recently retired or left the military. Because these types of warriors have a lot of training in conducting independent, autonomous, small unit hit-and-run ambushes. And in our estimation, this is kind of the ideal thing that Taiwanese territorial defenses should do. And that a territorial defense force, if properly trained in hit-and-run guerrilla tactics, that these would be especially effective, not during the initial combat phase, but assuming an invasion force can break through Taiwan's frontline active duty defenses and its reserve defenses, and they start to make their way into the city, that then you can see these territorial defense units starting to wage an insurgency, a guerrilla war, hitting not the frontline units, but rather the support units, the logistics units, the police units. And I think that's, a, that's more likely to succeed and impose the types of costs on an invasion force that would, again, hopefully make them think twice before taking that first step. So how many people do you think would need to join for this to be uh, enough or, you know, a, a Well, and here is, I think, the, this, here's a reason for optimism is our popular conception of guerrilla wars and insurgencies is that it takes thousands upon thousands and thousands of people. And although I think there's still a scholarly debate out there, it seems that you can start a movement like this and really kind of fan the flames of popular resistance with just a few hundred or really? a few thousand well-trained warriors. But I don't think that the bar is as high as people necessarily think. I don't think the cost is as high. I think if the will is there, we can recruit a few hundred, a few thousand people to really get this program running. I think other Taiwanese kind of waiting on the sidelines will see this really does work. That's serious training, and I'm having a meaningful role to play. And watching what's happening in Ukraine and seeing that this can actually be effective, I, I, think, I think this thing could grow quite quickly, again, in a way that just helps us avoid these worst-case scenarios. So if there was an invasion and there was urban warfare, I mean, what do you imagine that to be like? And um, do you think that Taiwan could win still, even if it got to that point? I think, and this is an important piece of the argument, and we should be transparent and honest about it. The logic of territorial defense is the logic of guerrilla warfare. And for Taiwan, the logic of guerrilla warfare in cities, mega cities like Taipei. And we should make no mistake about it. It would be horrific and it would be costly and i think we're seeing some of that play out in ukraine and so against a determined invader i believe a taiwanese territorial defense force if married up with a holistic asymmetric defense posture could really delay an invader make it very difficult make it very costly and critically buy time for the united states and other coalition forces to intervene and, and help out i think the training has to start now mm -hmm.
this idea that the people will just spontaneously on their own stand up with whatever weapons they have <laughs> on hand. And I've been to Taipei, they don't have many weapons don't on hand. Weapons. I, and go up against hardened combat units, I think, is, is a bridge too far. And I think psychologically, there will be that moment of, of shock and terror. I, I remember going into combat for the first time in 2003 in Iraq, and I, it, is a, it is a mentally shocking moment in a person's life. And realistic, rigorous training, if you do it as much as you possibly can, it helps prepare you both as an individual but also as a unit and as a society to absorb that initial blow, get over that initial shock, and then take the fight to the enemy. The whole interview will be up on Facebook and YouTube. Next up, Leslie Liao tells us about the latest military exercises in Taiwan. When you think of Taiwan, you probably just picture the main island. But in reality, Taiwan contains many smaller outlying islands, some just mere kilometers away from China. Though they are small, they're stepping up in a big, big way to help defend the country. Tracer fire lights up the sky over Taiwan's outlying Mazu Islands. This is a training exercise put on by Mazu Defense Command. Soldiers here simulate taking down aerial targets in the dead of night during low visibility conditions. The exercise's goal was to increase soldiers' weapons proficiency as well as encourage teamwork. With these seasoned men and women on the front line, Taiwan hopes to prove its outlying islands are no easy target. Taiwan is also trying to defend its natural environment from a very different kind of enemy, plastic pollution. RTI's Harrison Kay has the story. In Taiwan, people are always looking for new ways to reduce their carbon footprints. To help this, last year Taipei's Environmental Protection Bureau launched a cut borrowing scheme in partnership with companies including McDonald's. People can borrow reusable cups free of charge from blue and yellow machines around the city and use them in stores to get their drink removing the need for disposable cups. The process uses Taiwan's favorite messaging app, Line. If you scan the machine's QR code online and sign up with your phone number, your phone will then give you a QR code that you can scan on the machine. Once you've picked the cup size that you'd like, it'll give you your cup. And when you're done, you just scan the cup's QR code on the machine and pop it back in. Or, if you're at a store that recognizes the cups, you can simply hand it back in when you're done. All in all, is an easy, eco-friendly service that hopefully will be made the most of. Taiwan Exclusive, a look at anything that's typically Taiwanese. Welcome to Taiwan Exclusive. I'm Shirley Lin, your host at Radio Taiwan International. Everybody likes to bring home souvenirs when they visit a place, right? Well, Taiwan has its own typically Taiwanese souvenirs to bring back to your family and friends. But alas, they all seem to be food stuff. But who doesn't like food? If you know Taiwan, probably the most famous is the pineapple cakes. Feng li shu. They're yummy, they don't go bad easily, they expire much later, so it's very safe to bring them home to your friends. It's more than a tart than a cake. It's similar to Fig Newton, if you know this snack, but it's better than that. Pineapple cake is covered with crumbly cake-like skin, um, sort of uh, buttery dough-colored, okay? Uh, 
It's got this moist, sweet, but a tinge of sour uh, tasting kind of pineapple jam inside uh, the cake, the, the the tart, the pastry. It's only available in Taiwan so far. Foreigners would actually recommend their friends next time that when they visit Taiwan, they have to have it on their to-buy list. Some American YouTuber wanted to show his friends, you know, what pineapple cakes are like. He couldn't find any in the States. He tried ordering on Amazon and got a box of one of those most famous Taiwanese dessert brand called Jiade and got their pineapple cakes. They are usually wrapped individually and then put in a box. Um, so, you know, they last much longer and it's okay to order online. The YouTuber was on the street having people on the streets taste them for free. And they like it, although someone said that it's a little bit, you know, that it could be sweeter. Um, so you know that desserts in the States are much sweeter than the ones we have here. But I like I like it this way. Um, you know, it's not too sweet the way they make it now. I mean, it used to be much sweeter, I think. But I don't know of any people from other countries not liking it, really. And actually, it comes in two different kinds. Although I've seen, I've not seen so much of this other kind. Well, basically... There are those pineapple cakes that are made with pineapples but not sweetened, not the sweetened kind of pineapples. And so they're more, they're more fibrous and they're more tart. And actually, I don't like that as much. But the kind of pineapple cakes that you do uh, hear and eat and bring home to your friends are the kind that's got a lighter, sweet taste to the pineapple paste inside, the jam. Well, okay, well, sweet and sour, okay. Um... So I like it the way it is now. Um, basically, the pastry on the outside is kind of flaky. You, you really need to be careful when you eat it. And uh, if you don't know, Taiwan is the kingdom of fruit. We have a pretty mild climate and we have good soil. And so thanks to technology, farmers are growing bigger and sweeter and juicier fruit every year. You would die to bring these wonderful, tasty, you know, fruit I'm talking about fresh fruit back to your country, but too bad it's forbidden to bring, you know, uh, fresh products to your country, maybe. So we make them into pastries and cakes so that in a in direct way, you're still tasting Taiwan's fruits. And pineapple cakes are not only tasty, they're also symbolic. You say, what? Symbolic? Well, it's in the name, okay? In Holo or Hokkien, the Taiwanese dialect, pineapple is pronounced Ong Lai, which sounds the same as prosperity has arrived. So pineapple is a popular feng shui symbol of wealth. So people put replicas of pineapples um, because you don't want to put fresh pineapples in your store or at your office for prosperity because it would go bad. So, you know, people make, you know, these uh, figurines or um, toys, uh, I don't know, just, you know, uh, yeah, accessories of uh, things shaping like pineapples to, uh, to mean like carrying around good fortune with them. Anyway, when you give to your friends, don't just say, hey, eat this, it's good. Say also that it brings you good luck, good fortune. They'll love you more. So that's the very first thing that's very Taiwanese that you can bring to your friends back home. The next thing is another dessert called sun cakes. Tai yang bing. Sun. It's rounded like a sun, so they call it sun cakes, as simple as that. They originate from Taizong in central Taiwan. It's rounded, like I said, and but it's also another very flaky on the outside kind of dessert, like phyllo dough. It's layers and layers of flaky pastry. So again, buttery dough colored. 
with a simple, sweet, gooey maltose filling inside. Okay, some kind of jam again. Yeah, so you might say that pineapple cakes and sun cakes are very similar. Well, not exactly.、Um, they taste kind of different and they look different. But it's、uh, the sun cakes are great eaten with, you know, by itself. But of of course,、um, it's not too sweet. Really, it isn't. You know, the pastry. I mean, not、uh, the jam itself is not that much inside. It's really, really flaky. You know, like layers and layers of flaky、um, outside. Okay. But it's also good with Taiwanese tea, taken with tea, and some people actually dip it in this warm almond milk, and they eat it that way. Apparently, it's a very Taizong, Central Taiwan style breakfast favorite. I've never tried that before, but it sounds good. Although I don't really like almond milk myself, I love almonds itself, but I can't really eat almonds anymore because my dentist tell me to stay away from hard stuff. Biting on hot stuff. Anyway, personally, sun cakes are fine. Again, not as sweet, so I like it. The sweet filling is really just a thin layer,、um, and people can just love it for its lightness and the flaky outside. See, that's the thing. I don't like the flaky outside so much because it makes eating it very, very messy. So、um, it's even more flaky than pineapple cakes. It's a very simple pastry, really, but some people just love it and will purposely order from Taizong. Boxes of it for personal consumption or to give to their friends as gifts. They're usually packed in a box, either individually wrapped, since they flake so much, and also they come like unwrapped,、um, which you probably have to consume, you know, very quickly in a day or two.、Um, but they would stack them up, you know,、um, in in the box,、uh, not. One on top of each other, but on its sides. Okay, stacking up like on its sides because it's so it's pretty big. You know, it's about the、um, the size of your well. The,、uh, oh, never mind.、Um, anyway, and so、um, they are great as、um, souvenirs. Probably not ideal taking on a plane. I mean, you don't want to put it in with your suitcase. You should probably, you know, have it on carry-on because they flake so easily, they break so easily. I would suggest eating with a saucer underneath. I mean, seriously, because it flakes so easily. You really don't want the final like layers falling on the floor. Would like your opinion on our RTI to Go app? First, download the app if you haven't done so. Then fill out the survey at the top of the RTI English website. That's en.rti.org.tw. And you'll have a chance to win a prize. Prizes include a portable coffee maker, a computer backpack, these really nice-looking thermals, and specially designed wooden coasters with the RTI logo on them. The event runs until April 22nd, and announcement of winners is tentatively scheduled for May. Again, the app is RTI to Go, and go fill out that survey now. Okay, I'm back with talking about.、Um, Taiwan's very、um, Taiwanese souvenir they can give, and I just talked about pineapple cakes and sun cakes, which are yummy sweet desserts. But、uh, the next thing I'm going to talk about is actually also sweet, but it's a little different. It's paper thin pork jerky, which some people call it pork paper. Sounds really funny, but really it's really really as thin as th- as paper. Um, these paper-thin pork jerky, not like beef jerky, are so thin and crunchy, and usually come in different flavors: almond bits studded in them flavor, and black pepper flavored. The other ingredients used are soy sauce and sugar. Now there are two different types. One is kind of thicker, but still thin, crunchy, 
and wavy in thickness. It like ruffled potato chips, if you can try to imagine that. So it's wavy. Okay, the other is like really paper thin. We're talking about only zero point zero one centimeters thin, not thick. The super thin ones are so light, you keep eating it, you keep eating, it, and you just can't stop. I'm serious. Someone abroad fell in love with it. That he was even eating it in bed and with eyes closed because each sheet is so light, you feel like you don't feel a thing, but then you just can't stop eating because it's so so tasty. And let me tell you, once you've had it, you just can't stop. That's the only problem I have with it, is that you can't stop once you start eating it. Anyway, that's all I can say about these paper thin pork paper or pork jerky. For Taiwan exclusive, I'm Shirley Lin. It's funny how in big cities you'll always find birds, real birds. I mean, you'd think they'd prefer to live in the countryside or by the beach or maybe in a nice forest. I mean, it's not like they have to live in the city because that's where the jobs are or because they prefer nightlife in the city. But aside from those real birds, there is another kind of bird you'll find in the big city that you won't find anywhere else, and that is the fake bird. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Year of the Ground, I bring you birds with man-made tweets. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 ，an ear to the ground. Now, if you use Twitter at all, you'll know that that's the sound of a tweet. When you consider that there are more than 400 million tweets a day on the microblogging site, that's a whole lot of bird chirps. And that's not the only man-made chirping sound that you can hear in our modern cities. I've introduced the sound of Taipei's chirping crosswalks before in this program, and almost any computer or cell phone can be configured to make sounds like that too. Now, on a recent Sunday at Taipei's weekend flower market, I heard some chirping sounds that were decidedly different. I could instantly tell that they were not real birds, but they were too irregular to be made by some sort of electronic component. I discovered a man who was peddling these little porcelain birds with long tails. He was blowing into the tail end, sort of like you blow on a small whistle, but it's different from a whistle because it contains water. It's the water that turns an ordinary whistle sound into a chirping bird effect. Now, of course, being fascinated by interesting sounds, I had to buy one, and it was pretty cheap at just 50 Taiwan dollars. That's about a buck fifty U.S. The sound actually reminded me of another chirping sound from my early years here in Taiwan, about 15 years ago. I used to have a doorbell that sounded like a bird. Now, my current doorbell is not particularly exciting. It's the iconic sound you expect to hear when you ring a doorbell. Now, several days later, I was still thinking about that original bird doorbell sound that I had when I first came to Taiwan. And it reminded me of my life as a student of Chinese. And strangely enough, I thought about the old dirty carpet in my living room and how we'd sit on folding chairs, drinking beer and watching TV. It's funny how sounds can make you nostalgic. I was still thinking about this sound when I dropped by my friend Olivia's place for lunch earlier this week, and I was delighted to discover that she has the same tweeting doorbell. But it turns out she doesn't have a soft spot in her heart for the doorbell like I do. 
It's alarming. It makes me jump out of my skin every time I hear it. <laughs> Do you ever have anybody that's just ringing on your doorbell and you like, can't get rid of them? Every time my garbage lady comes to collect her money. <laughs> and you don't answer the doorbell? Is that what the problem is? Or when the bill collectors come? No, if we don't have any money, we can't pay it for a reason. <laughs> Olivia, that's terrible. <laughs> you should be so ashamed of yourself. Have you ever thought of changing your doorbell? I don't, wouldn't even know where to start with that. I don't know why we can't just have a normal, like, ding-dong. I mean, in, in premise, it kind of works. I mean, it sounds like it would be kind of a nice, like, you know, chirpy sound, sort of cheerful... I don't get anything cheerful from it. <laughs> you want to find the bird and kill it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I guess that's just it. You can't feel nostalgic until time has passed. Maybe years later, something will remind Olivia of her tweeting doorbell, and she'll associate it with all the good times that she had in that apartment in Taipei. All right, I'm going to go back to my little porcelain bird now for some more quality time in the Taipei woods. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. yourself together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, hello. Welcome to the feast. And this is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan. Hello, everyone. In two days, it will be actually Children's Day. That's right. That mm -hmm. is uh, Monday, April 4th. Mm -hmm. It's also technically a holiday in Taiwan, right? Isn't uh, Tomb is Sweeping it? Day? Oh, yeah. It's Tomb Sweeping is April 3rd, I think. Okay. So we're going to get this long weekend off, right? Yes. So what are you going to do with your kids? Oh, actually, we plan on a camping Camping. Well, it's a glamping. Glamping. Right. Ellen Chu style. My style. My kids are only in glamping. They yeah. can't go camping. No. Yeah. Have you tried? Uh, well, you know, even with glamping, they feel a little bit like, you know, oh, you know, this is dirty. Oh, this is what, oh, you know, no. there's bugs here. I'm just like, this is glamping already. Okay. Uh. <laughs> it's, and then I don't think you guys can go camping. They're like, no. <laughs> so what kind of glamping do you do? I mean, are we talking about tents with chandeliers? Champagne? No, 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 no. Uh, tents, actually, they have lights in there, beds in there. And then, you know, uh, some some of the tents they do have like you know a simple bathroom in there too mm, wow. like a simple uh toilet and also shower but the ones that i went i think it's just air con air conditioning that's tent. not a tent right not a tent see i told you it's <laughs> glamping 
So we are going to be celebrating uh, Children's Day in our program today. Shall okay. we let everybody know what's on our menu? All right. Let's do it. So on our children's menu in our first course, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look at a movie starring three kids. We'll hear from the movie director about her search for the perfect actors. Wow. In our second course, we sample a nostalgic children's treat from our childhood. Well, for I do. Okay. You, you've got a children's treat too, right? Yes, I do. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. And in our third and final course? We are going to turn back the clock nine years ago to ask Ellen kids whether their favorite and least favorite fruits and vegetables are. Wow. These are your kids. Okay. Rihanna and Ryan. All right. And I'm going to quiz you on what their favorite things are. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then you can see if they match up with what they say. Okay. All right. So first today, we are going to listen to a song. It's called Anjing de Haizi. And it's by, it's, I guess, Silent Child. Is yes. that is there such a thing? There's no <laughs> such thing. When the kid is silent, either they're in trouble or they're sick. Oh, no. Or asleep. Uh, well, Those are good. three situations. I like, I like version three. Re, me yes. too. So this is by Xu Su Hao. And when we come back in just a moment, we're going to give you a behind-the-scenes look at a movie called Lokalaki, which is an Atile movie oh. by uh, an Atile tribe director. Wow, nice. Yes. Lokalaki. Yes, yeah, okay. good movie. Mm-hmm. Came out several years ago and uh, starring three kids. Mm-hmm. 心想说了根本没人懂只要记得平时的问候 First course. We're back now in the first course of Feast Meets West, and we have the director of a new movie called Loka Laki. Her name is Chen Jiayao, or Laha. This is her second feature film. It's about children from her tribe, the Atayal tribe. She's currently in an artist residency program in Paris, France. I spoke to her recently via Skype and began by asking her the storyline as she wanted to tell it. 呃，只要我长大，这部电影其实它是在讲，就是三个高山上的原住民的小朋友。She tells me that the movie is a coming-of-age story of three Aboriginal boys from an Atayal tribe village in the mountains. Each of the boys has a different background. 
One is being raised by his grandmother, and he sells fruit and goes hunting because he thinks that will help make enough money to care for her when she gets older. Another one of the kids is being raised by a single parent, his dad, which is different from many kids who are being raised by their mom. The boy wants to go find his mother, who's living far away in the big city. The third boy is being raised by parents who got married very young. The dad wants to become a rock star, and he often gets drunk and fights with the mom. The boy sees the father as his idol, but he doesn't want him to drink. Laha tells me that the three boys' backgrounds are a representative microcosm of the situations you find in many Aboriginal villages in Taiwan. But it's not a sad movie, she says. The audience laughs almost the whole way through. What these kids desire is something very simple, actually. They want their parents to love and care for them. It's a simple storyline. She says she just wanted to show how these kids view their village and the world. I was curious to know about the three young boys that Laha cast as the main characters. She tells me that they were all roughly the same age as the boys in the movie. They just finished fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Laha's team went to 17 different elementary schools scouting for kids from the Atayal tribe. The casting agents shot videos of tons of kids, and then Laha went through each of them, checking off the ones she wanted to see. Then they went to the schools and had the kids perform and interacted with them. After narrowing it down again, they invited about a dozen of them to a two-day acting camp. Laha tells me it's not the type of acting camp we usually think of. They had the children play games and practice focusing, and from there they narrowed it down again and had them interact with the lead actress. She tells me they wanted three kids who are totally different from each other. One of them, Watan, was from Laha's village of Nanao. He performed the drunken master form of martial arts for them. And paid no attention whatsoever to the camera. Even though Laha was looking for a chubby kid for that part, she decided that this skinny kid had the right energy for the part, and he left a lasting impression. Now the second kid was chubby, and his name was Xiao Dingdang. Laha kept overlooking him, but then giving him another chance. In his demo, he was looking down at the floor and spoke very quietly. They told him he'd get cut if he wasn't louder, but he still didn't improve. Then, when they asked him to talk to the camera and say something directly to the director, he lifted his head and said, "I hope the director will give me a second chance." Later, when he came to the acting camp, Laha tells me he got along really well with the other kids. Turns out, he was only shy around adults, especially one-on-one. So he ended up getting the part. Now, the third boy was Cheng Hao. He was the only kid from Huanshan Village, which is where the movie was set. The first time Laha saw him, she noticed his eyes, which possessed a certain sadness. He was very shy. Laha says she spent a lot of time in that village writing her script, and the boy would come to visit her a lot and brought her out fishing. He talked a lot about different things with her and showed her a scar that he got once when he was burned. She asked if it was okay to include the scar in the movie, and he said yes. He was very proud of it. It was like a map of Taiwan on his body. Later, his mother told him he was very brave to have allowed it in the movie. 
Now, what's remarkable about Lahaz movies is that they are so realistic that they're almost like documentaries. It turns out that she never had them read the script or memorize their lines. Instead, she would tell them stories and then ask them to do something unusual every day at the beginning of the shoot. She would have them introduce themselves as their character and talk about the story. She'd use games like that to get them into character. Of course, they couldn't do more than three takes at a time, or the kids would lose focus. She says even adults have a hard time concentrating, never mind kids. But the adults don't usually show it. Adults won't tell you they're annoyed, but the kids will tell you they're tired. You just have to be patient. Laha tells me that she didn't want to get an acting coach for the kids. Instead, she had them imagine things like a family member in the hospital. For one of the kids, Xiao Dingdang, whose parents in the movie were always fighting, she started off with the three of them spending a lot of time together. She says she began by having the two adults bring the young actor out somewhere to have fun, play with them, take him to McDonald's, and give him some good memories. After they created that situation, then they shot the scenes where the parents fought. That's because they needed to give him some good memories in order for him to imagine the sadness of the bad memories. Laha said he was pretty upset after a day of shooting the fighting scenes, and she told him that she believed in him and that. They had to trust each other. If they didn't trust her, she knew that they wouldn't be able to act as well as they did. Now I said earlier that the name of the movie is Loka Laki. That's L-O-K-A-H-L-A-Q-I, which means you can do it, kids. The Chinese name Jiao Zhangda. That sounds like a half-finished sentence. When I'm older, I will dot dot dot. It's sort of like a kid making a promise about his future, about the things he will or will not do. You can guess what those things might be after you watch the movie. I'm not going to give it away, but I was curious to hear from Laha what her wish is for the Aboriginal kids of Taiwan, and her response: it was short and sweet. 快乐长大，快乐 She wants them to be happy as they're growing up. You can find the trailer on the internet by searching for Loka Laki. That's L-O-K-A-H, space L-A-Q-I. There's much more to come up ahead in our Children's Day special of Feast Meets West. But first, the title song from Loka Laki. It's by Lin Yihan. Second course. Alrighty,、mm. in our second course today. First of all, what were your favorite snack foods as a kid? Me? Yes. I love sour plums, and I love、uh, chip ahoy chocolate chip cookie. Wow!、Mm. So one of those is very Taiwanese. One of those is very American. Right. I. These are my favorites from when I was a kid. Oh, Reese's. 
butter, peanut butter, and Starburst. Where'd you get Starburst? <laughs> so, uh, Leslie Liao. Did you get Liao. this from, from the States? Um, no, so they, both of these were purchased here mm. in Taiwan. My um, co-worker, Leslie Liao, from okay. uh, RTI here, he actually gave me both of these. Well, how nice. Can and, we eat it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, too late. I already know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't eat it. I'm like, like my kids. My kids are like, can I have this? And they're opening <laughs> it up already. Like, put it out there. What are you doing? Right. Want my, one? Uh, sure. So my brother used to eat Starbucks first when he Starbucks. was a kid. Starbucks. <laughs> we eat this Starbucks. way before Starbucks. Right. Starburst was like one of the... Um, well, uh, before I think Starbucks, we have those. Uh, it's called Rei Shi Tang. Do you oh, know that? No. The one in the wrapper. It's also like you know Swiss uh, candy. Yeah, Swiss candy. That was a Taiwanese thing. It's a Taiwanese thing. I don't know if it's really from Swiss, but they call it <laughs> Rei Shi Tang, oh. and then it's like Starburst with different fruit flavors. But you know, for myself, I love Starburst. But don't you think like they taste kind of a little bit like wax? A little bit in the first few bites. Yeah. Right? And you're like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And then after you get it chewed up a little bit, it tastes a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Do you like it? I do like mm -hmm. it, actually. Mm -hmm. But my favorite is what we're about to sample now, which is mm -hmm. Reese's Peanut Butter mm -hmm. Cups. Mm -hmm. And they're always sweeter than I remember them being. Right. And do you like Kit Kat? <laughs> I love Kit Kats. Yeah, I love mm -hmm. Kit Kats, too. It's funny. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, like... I haven't had one of these. Do you know when the last time I, I saved this especially for today? Mm, thank you. I haven't had one of these for like 20 years. I haven't had one of this. It's been forever, right? Ever since I came back to Taiwan. So it's been like mm. 20 years, right? 20 plus. I mean, even in my trips back to the States, I just didn't even think of getting them. But then when Leslie gave it to me, I was like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. But this is the thing that you wouldn't buy and put it in your house. It's so sweet, right? No, it's a special treat. Mm -hmm. That's why I saved it for you. Thank you. Because <laughs> I don't want to eat all by myself. I want a friend right? to share the sugar. <laughs> Let me read the calories in there. Oh my goodness. Well, not too bad. 224. What, 224 calories for one? For one. So does this remind you of like your past, your childhood? Mm. You know what we used to do mm -hmm. in college? We put this in the middle. And then marshmallow on top of it, and then two pieces of like crackers. Oh, so you made like a s'mores with s'mores this. with this inside. Oh wow, that's like sweet to the point that you tear. You know, it's funny. Even with s'mores, which I loved as a kid, when I had them as an adult, I was like, oh my god, they're so sweet. Like, but how good. do we eat these? I love it. You have to use. I think as an adult, because I'm mm -hmm. not used to eating sugary stuff, mm. you have to use like bitter sweet chocolate it has to right. be bitter chocolate the other day i was making like rice crispy treats for my mm -hmm, kids mm -hmm. they loved it really they never had it and they're like whoa this is good and they brought it to school and their classmates all like you know really really like it i have to tell you rice crispy treats are pretty good mm -hmm. those are pretty delicious the crunch mm. the chewiness the sweetness I think there's just a little bit of salt in there, too, to make it, like, go down super yum. Right. Yeah. Mm. 
All right, mm. so that was a look at a couple of our favorite things to eat as children. We're going to go into a song, okay. and when we come back in our third course, we're going to rewind to nine years ago to ask Ellen's kids what their favorite and least favorite fruits and vegetables are. Okay. I'm going to ask you to guess right now, and when we come back, we're going to find out if you're right. Okay, strawberries, the favorite, like, you know, fruit. Uh-huh. And uh, the least dislike is it should be carrots. Carrots for Ryan or Rihanna? Or Ryan. Both? Okay. And Rihanna. She eats everything, right? Yeah, she eats everything. I don't, well, you know, she probably would just, you know, say the same as her brother. But okay. she loves it. All right. Well, we'll find out in our third okay. course. But first, Shanghai Young, Like a Kid. And this is by Lin Yiting. Mm-hmm. Much more to come when the feast continues. Listening to Feast Meets West. Third course. 
Alright, we are back in our third course, and we're going to rewind to nine years ago to ask Ellen's kids what their favorite and least favorite fruits and vegetables are. How old would they have been nine years ago? Uh, Rihanna would be one and a half, and then Ryan would be two years old, two and a half, two and almost a half? three. Okay. Right. Do you remember us interviewing them? I don't. I don't either. Oh, my. <laughs> but they I've listened to the tape, and they sound very cute. And Rihanna could already speak. She's only, like, not even two. I'm going to let you have a listen. This is, okay. this is priceless. All right, here we go. We are now coming to you from on location at the Ellen Chu and family residence. And we are with her children, Ryan or Mama, and Rihanna or Mimi. Would you like to say hello to everyone? Say hi. Hi. My name is... Ryan. Okay. Ryan. Say hello, everyone. <laughs> hello. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to ask Ryan, what's your favorite food? Curry. Curry? And? <laughs> Don't touch it. No. Okay. What's your favorite food? Curry and what? <laughs> oh, oh, no. What did he say? Jinju nai cha. That's bubble milk tea. That's right. Okay, oh. this is a favorite of a three-year-old child. And how about you? What's your name? Mimi. Mimi. Say hi, Mimi. Okay, the little girl who is one year and eight months. Can you say hi? Ryan, Ryan. So, what food do you don't like? 不喜欢什么？不喜欢potato。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。不喜欢。
Man, where did those cuties go, man? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know the strangest things. He loves potato now. Really? He loves potato, like curry. Yeah, he still likes. Okay,、mm -hmm. pizza. Yes. Okay, and、um, potato he loves. Okay, he would eat all the potatoes and the curry. And he still hates carrots. Still hate carrots. That's hong hilarious. Hong the, the red one. Okay, and Mimi, what did she say? I think she ate everything. Yeah, she she basically just kind of like you know made sounds then because she was only a year and、uh, eight month. It's funny, both of them love strawberries, and never once did we mention strawberries in that little episode there. Right, right. So、uh, Ryan did say she gua watermelon.、Mm. He does love watermelon too. And also tenzu naita bubble milk tea. Obviously, I mean he's been saying everything. What do you want to be tenzu naita? Okay, my goodness. But you know it does fit his character.、Mm. Yes, he loves all those sweets and you know bubble milk. So、oh. what is it like to listen to your kids nine years later? It's so strange. You know, I I already forgot their voice was like that. Yeah. Right. Huh. It's it's interesting. You know, one day I think you should send that to me, and then I'm gonna let Ryan and Rihanna listen to themselves. Because they probably have seen videos of themselves, but they probably haven't heard just like the sound. Right, right. right. So you know, they probably won't recognize themselves anymore. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Potato pizza. <laughs> well, yeah. They were very cute kids. Yes,、yeah, still very, are. Very cute. Yeah. yeah. Now you know, teen, preteens, and teen. Did you feel a little bit like? Emotional listening to that. Yeah, I mean,、uh, I guess all moms, you know, really miss the little baby、mm. toddler when they were because those are the time where you don't have to really, you know, get angry at anything, <laughs> and you know, they listen to whatever you tell them.、Mm. You know, they don't have too much of their own opinion. <laughs> But now it's just like you know, yesterday we were ordering pizza. And then you know, Ryan said he wants pepperoni. So I asked Rihanna, "Is it okay?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." And I said, "Are you sure?" Because she usually like margarita. So when the pizza arrived, she opened it up. She said, "Why is it pepperoni?" <laughs> and I'm like, "We asked you." She's like, "No, I didn't hear you guys." I said, "You said yes," and I asked two times, and then she's like, "No, I said I can't hear you guys." Yeah, no, yeah. You know, and then I was just about to blow up. You know, it's like, man, okay,、yeah. I knew it. This would happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't envy you. No, don't envy me. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I miss those little toddlers.、Oh. I do. Yeah. Well, I I heard this and I thought we had to play this on Children's yeah, Day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All righty. Well, finally today,、uh, our addresses. If you'd like、okay. to write to us. Okay. Our address is P.O. Box one two three dash one nine nine Taipei Taiwan. Email us at a n d r o o at r t i dot o r g dot t w. And next Saturday on the feast, we're gonna have Matsu procession. Yes. Do you know that? Like, how many years ago was that? I actually went and walked with the procession. This would have been. Let me think. It would have been at least five or six years ago, and I'm going to bring you a clip of how I walked it with a blind guy and a young man in a wheelchair. Right. You know what? Something similar is in Spain. 
I saw this procession with Mother Mary. Oh, yeah. It's very similar. Right? Very, very so, similar. So, you know, I always thought that religion in different countries, they just translate it into another, you know, form. form yeah, but like they are all the same. Overlap. Right? Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. One final song today. All right. It is called Da Hai Zi. It should be Da Hai Zi, I think. It should be Big Child. <laughs> but you know what Andrew wrote? I was confused because I'm like, <laughs> why did he end with this song, Children's Day? Okay. Well, it might be what all parents are thinking about. It's, but you know, It's like spank your kid. Right, spank your kid. I wrote spank instead it's of... supposed to be big kid, big kid okay? Yeah. But he wrote spank your kid, okay? I, I know what you're fast. on your mind. I was typing fast, okay? All right. This is by Monkey Pilot. We got the message. <laughs> all right. Peace meets us. I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. And we will be going to Da Hai Zi. That's right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you'd like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at Radio Taiwan underscore ENG. And if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone, just download our app RTI to go. That's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news, videos, and programs. 
That's RTI to go. If you're a shortwave listener, we have two channels in Asia. For South Asia, tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 UTC. To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kilohertz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at English at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International.